Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your podcast host, Emma, and in this week's episode, I am sharing with you the first two chapters of my book, Driving Tito. This is because I was not able to upload a Walk and Talk podcast episode for this week. So this is a fill-in. We'll be back to normal next week. Love at First Sight, Scorpio. It is summer 2004, and in the bustling capital city of Scorpio, parked incongruously by the side of the road, and half the height of any other vehicle in the street, sat a Zastava. Were it not for its bright purple body, it would have been lost in the jungle of silver, black and white four-wheel drive monsters surrounding it. As it was, its small, neat form and boldly colourful exterior aroused my curiosity. I bent down to peer through the tiny windscreen. Everything about the car seemed uncomplicated and strangely endearing, from its simple dashboard, chequered upholstery and slim steering wheel, to its delicate ruler-length windscreen wipers and playful eyes for headlights. I was instantly captivated. Ah, this is feature, said my Macedonian colleague proudly. Our car from Yugoslav times. A wave of nostalgia seemed to pass over him as he looked with genuine pleasure at this miniature vehicle. He opened his mouth as if to say more, but changed his mind. Instead, he just smiled and kept his thoughts to himself. As soon as I could get near a computer with an internet connection, I eagerly got onto Google for more information and discovered the car was originally modelled on the 1950s Cinquecento, the Italian Fiat 500. The Balkan model, the Zastava 750, was designed and launched in the 1960s, and being relatively affordable for many, the car became an overnight sensation. For the first time, Yugoslavs took to the road together. Although compact in size, the car still had the capacity to transport a family of four, whilst piling their luggage onto a neatly designed roof rack. The Zastava was considered to be practical and functional, and easily stole the hearts of the nation. The car became affectionately known as the Feature, a name derived from the word Fiat, and its popularity in both style and colour choice spanned a number of decades. Today, the Zastava continues to be revered, but undeniably represents a classic car from another age. For most, the Zastava has largely become a rusting relic from the former Yugoslavia. However, this chance meeting with a functioning, although admittedly parked, Zastava model in Skopje had had an instant effect on me. It had been love at first sight, and with increasing work commitments in the Balkans between 2004 and 2009, came an opportunity to spot more of these vehicles on and off the road in varying degrees of roadworthiness. But with each sighting of a Zastava 750 came an increasing desire to drive one. Five years on, the moment suddenly presented itself, and I threw caution to the wind and took action. Much to everyone's disbelief, I had decided to jack in my well-paid job, stressful and highly politicised work. Instead, I would drive full circle around, through and across the Balkans in a Zastava 750. The Yugoslavs had been doing something similar for several decades. So, how hard could it be? This was the 21st century. An idea blossoms. Pristina, June 2009. 
I had always imagined the Balkans to be a dark, imposing and mysterious landmass inhabited by equally tall, dark and mysterious people, speaking a strange, unfathomable language. A vague, sweeping movement of the hand had generally accompanied most people's description of the former Yugoslavia, when, with the prospect of a job in cultural heritage protection back in 2004, I had first asked people what they knew of the region. The Balkans. That place. Over there. Somewhere. The Balkans. A word frequently associated with blood, death, wars, oppression, suppression, and cheap 80s Yugoslav beach holidays. My school history classes, and for that matter geography lessons, had rarely taken me beyond the heroes of Scotland, or the importance of the weather and cloud formations. The Balkans were thus a void in my already sadly dismal knowledge of world history generally. However, Google was a fount of information, and although I learned how Yugoslavia had split into the seven new countries of Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, officially renamed Republic of North Macedonia, last year, Montenegro, Serbia, Slovenia, and most recently, if still somewhat controversially, Kosovo, it came as a surprise to find there is no singular definition of the Balkans. The Balkan people were at odds in terms of those whom they considered Balkan and those not. This has meant multiple definitions have arisen, so I plumped for the one I rather liked, encompassing more than just the former Yugoslavian territories. This, the geographical definition, refers to all lands south of the Sava and Danube rivers, enclosed by the Adriatic, Aegean, Ionian, Mediterranean and Marmara Seas. This meant excluding parts of Croatia, Serbia, Slovenia and the majority of Romania, but including Albania, Bulgaria, mainland Greece, including the Peloponnese, and northern Turkey, in my understanding of the Balkans. Secretly, I considered Slovenia to be far too European to be included in the first place. This assumption being based rather tenuously on a fleeting visit to Ljubljana, where the visible influence of tourism had clashed with my romantic notion of how I believed the place should be, a land cloaked in mystery. My suppositions were challenged while working in Kosovo, my first taste of the former Yugoslav world, and the Balkans. Surrounded by Montenegro, Macedonia, Albania and Serbia, Kosovo is a politically fragile place, accommodating an alarming international working presence, myself included, in relation to its local population. And although declaring its independence from Serbia in February 2008, Kosovo continues to be locked in an extraordinarily delicate and complex situation, and a subject for another book, perhaps another day. Working in the international field of post-conflict development had been eye-opening, life-changing, character-building, and all the other clichés one imagines it would be, but it had also consumed me and my life. I knew that it would do so, yet I had continued to ignore the signs, until one day, after more than four years in this work-intense environment, I realised I had to get out, and get out fast, before I locked myself into a world in which I really did not belong, and more importantly, struggled to understand. Simultaneously, the idea of travelling across the Balkans in a Zastava was taking hold with alarming clarity. It is true to say that to travel is in my blood. I have no fear of it, and at times the yearning for adventure, to be out there somewhere, anywhere, could consume my thoughts for days until I hit upon an idea. It was usually a spontaneous yet instinctive decision, 
and although neither a hardcore traveller nor a particularly brave one, the prospect of going travelling always excited me. Taking a journey after working in Kosovo around my now expanded knowledge, although certainly not my understanding of the Balkan region, seemed the most natural thing to do. I had found my escape route, a chance to simplify my life once more, and the opportunity to reclaim a sense of freedom. The way to experience more of everyday Balkan life would have to be through my own initiative. An independent approach was needed. It meant I would need to resign, move on and turn away from the web of restrictions of the international working environment. Only then would I get a closer look at the landscape, the architecture, the people and their culture. Although I had no useful knowledge of the languages spoken in this part of the world, my mother tongue was English. I had a smattering of French and a scant knowledge of German, which I hoped would be enough. My mode of transport? Well, I would find my very own feature, hopefully while I was working through my notice period, and then drive away in a flourish of Yugoslav vintage glory, or something to that effect. Five years previously, in 2004, I had been in Skopje and had fallen in love with the Zastava car. Therefore, I decided that this should be the first place where I would look to find my very own feature. I set about the task with unstoppable enthusiasm, but almost immediately I hit upon an unforeseen problem. To buy a car in Macedonia, one had to live there, or better still, be a Macedonian. I met neither criteria. In a moment of panic, followed by some swift thinking, I quickly deduced that my work colleague Liliana fulfilled both. The question would be whether she could be persuaded to help. A robust woman with a personality to match, Liliana had a presence to be reckoned with. Like most Balkan women I had met, she was extremely expressive and unreservedly blunt. She was a hugely jovial person whom I liked immensely, and I believed if anybody would be willing enough to help me, it would be her. When I broached the subject, however, the response was not quite the one I was anticipating. But why? she protested, nonchalantly smoking a cigarette, listening to my idea with growing amusement. They are so old, and they do not go up hills very well. You will not get very far in a feature. I argued it would be the perfect way to blend in and live a Yugoslav experience retrospectively, in a vehicle that was accepted and liked by all. Azasta was the perfect camouflage in which to travel without drawing undue attention to myself. People would be less suspicious of a feature coming through their village. She lifted her arms in mock resignation at my rather weak counter-argument and sighed. Okay, okay, I agree. Buy your feature and I shall be the owner. She then chuckled with genuine delight at the thought. Me, the owner of a feature? I hope you've enjoyed this unusual podcast episode. If you'd like to buy a copy of the book, you can find details on my website, travellingthrough.co.uk. It's also on Amazon as an ebook. All the links on my website. If you enjoy listening to these podcasts, please share with your friends, subscribe if you can, and leave us a review. That would be fantastic. Have a lovely weekend. Take care and thanks for listening.